Alright, I gotta see the eye doctor. That looks like a plum. A plum, which is a self-confidence assurance, uh, especially when in a demanding situation. Nope, nope, that's applause. Greg, could you flick the light on that sign for me? Thank, thank you, Greg. Thank you. All right, here we go, everybody. Now, remember, you are all a big part of Weiwo TV, so the better you are, the better BJ is. All right, you see that nice lady over there? She is giving me a sign, and that sign says we are on in 10 seconds. Okay, get ready to have a good time. Joining BJ on the show today will be Ty LeClaire. We are excited. Here we go. This is exciting. Here we go. All right, everyone, quiet on set, please. In five... Four, three, two. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, then we'll we'll tie right in. Uh, my name is Daisy Ronsere Leclerc. People call me Ty. I'm an actor, writer, comedian. I most recently just finished uh, writing on the second season of Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Very excited for the second season to come out. I what about me? What about me? Uh, I live in LA now. That's very new. Uh, <laughs> All right, congratulations. It feels it's. It's sunny, bright, and delightful. Uh, they're not—they're not kidding when they say that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the fun things I can share about myself. Uh, it's been a minute. Where'd you Where'd you come from? So, because I know everyone's a transplant in LA. Like, so where were you? Where were you before? Yeah, I was in New York for 12 years, uh, making my way up the the UCB pipeline, uh, which is unfortunately no longer New York. But uh, for those who don't know, UCB is a comedy theater started by four very funny folks. One of them is Amy Poehler. And uh, I made my way into a house team there called Characters Welcome, which is a comedic character monologue showcase that happened every month. It was, it was great. I got to perform and write dumb things for five minutes on a stage to a lot of people. And it brought me joy. Uh, and apart from that, in the city, back in New York, I, yeah, it, did stand up in the stand up scene. I did a lot of sketch comedy at the People's Improv Theater. Nice. Uh, the classic, for those who know New York comedy things, I was doing. I was trying. I was, I was dipping my toes in all of all the pools. That's cool. And so, yeah, uh, you're you're experiencing the the much improved weather uh, right now over in LA, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah, no, fully. Full agree. I never thought I would be a person who lived on the West Coast as a diehard East Coaster through and through. Uh, and like four minutes in, I was like, I'm never going back. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's truly, it, it feels good. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, I, you know, I go back and forth between LA and New York. And when I left New York, it was snow and ice and about like a minus 10 degrees with the wind chill. I, I got off the plane. It was 80. That was how could you want to go back after that? I don't know. I mean, they got that uh, they got that in and out ranks to the airport for a reason. I think really, that, like, that's right. In. So let me so let me ask you. Uh, I'm always curious about the creative process. Um, but you you've produced so much because I've been following you for a while. You've produced the sketches and the comedy. Like you have so much. So it's I almost I'm kind of like ah, what do I ask you about? But selfishly. I'm going to ask you about the creative process for writing for television, if that's okay. Perfect, yeah. Uh, so I, I'd love to hear just how you think about it, how you approach it. Um, are you asking as like how to write for TV or like how do I write for TV? No, how, how do you write for TV? Sure. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll go in the lanes of what I would do for like I'm working on a new pilot right now for myself. Uh, that is, fingers crossed, something I could hopefully develop down the road. But I'm doing it 
on my own in sort of the traditional television writing way, which is I start <laughs> with an idea and a premise, you, you, the thing you want to talk about, your central argument, and I slowly and surely build a world around that. And I sometimes work backwards where I come from a world of graphic design and design. So I studied at Parsons. Um, I worked in advertising before moving into TV. And I'm just very comfortable making a pitch deck, making like visuals, putting visuals together. So a lot of the times when I start creating stories and narratives in my head, I I start pulling visual references for them. Uh, so nice. I'm working without saying too much on something that's sci-fi related. So I'm pulling a lot of like, what do spaceships look like? What does this thing look like? And I'm like, what, what is the thing that I want it to look like ultimately? Uh, so I sort of start in that, in that world. And once I get that world, I could uh, better see the story that I want to create within it. And then I would go to the place of uh, making a beat board. And for those who don't know what a beat board is, a beat board is literally like post-it notes on a wall of scenes. You're like, this could be a fun scene. Uh, I don't know. My character going to a video store is a scene. I don't know. That is not a scene I'm doing because that is very bad. But um, <laughs> it's just an example. So right. uh, I sort of beat out a story uh, based around th- two to three characters and then try to formulate them into uh, a cold open and three acts. So at this point, I'm still organizing all the post-its uh, to make some sense of the story. And post-its are coming off, post-its are coming on, post-its are being edited until I have the semblance of what I like for a 32 35-minute comedy. And once that's done, where I am now is I take all those post-its and then I put them into what's called an outline. So you're taking all these single sheets of scenes and expanding them. And you're like, you're essentially Goldilocksing it where it's, you're you're writing down exactly what's happening. And you're, right. and you're not adding in too much emotion or flavor or anything like that just yet. It's a lot like... They go to the store. Once they get to the store, this thing happens. And then when this thing happens, this character is going to do this. Dot, 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 um, within the outline. So you have an expanded version of the beat board now in a written format. It's now in final draft. So it's in a working document. Uh, and from that, I once I'm in the outline, I go into the script. So I'll transcribe those scenes into actual dialogue. And that would be the final step for writing a little pilot, which is what I'm working on right now. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while, and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash BJ Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash BJ Mendelson. And if you don't give BJ your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Commercials suck. And hopefully one day we won't need them. But until that day comes, we have bills to pay, brother. What the fuck is this copy? 
I don't know, man. BJ wrote it, and I think he was high when he did it. How do you know he was high? I just, I read through it, and I just have a feel. I don't know, man. Just read it. <clears throat> what kind of bills do we have to pay? Well, for starters, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to feed a super intelligent ape who wants to kill Superman? Yes. At first, he said he would pay BJ rent, but then some asshole told the ape about squatters', squatters rights? Yep. He's a supervillain, you know, so he stopped paying rent. Now we all kind of work for him. He's a terrible boss. One time he was eating some guy's face and just left the rest of him in the middle of the floor. I guess it's better than working at Amazon, though. Anyway, the apes got this cool ass setup in the basement of BJ's mom's house. You should see it. There's this kick-ass pool down there. I have no idea how you get a huge pool in the basement of a small house, but he found a way. Separate lines, he found a way. Now, if only the ape could remember to take out the garbage in his office before he leaves for the weekend. Everyone else does it. That includes Stephen Wheat, who works in accounting and shits out of his mouth? <laughs> anyway, that's what's going on here in Harriman, New York, home home of the... Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure he was high, but let's just get back to it. <laughs> now, let's get back to the show! Do you, do you workshop your dialogue at all? Like, do you, is there anyone that you'll bounce something off of as you're... As you're, let's say, writing something funny within the, within the pilot. Yeah, um, I try like two jokes per page is my golden rule. Uh, but as for workshopping, it's kind of uh, it's much more casual because this is just like a personal project of mine. So uh, if, if I have one joke or one storyline, I'll just maybe reach out to a friend and be like, "Hey, what do you think of this thing? Like, how can I punch this up?" Uh, and uh, I, full disclosure, I do have uh, managers who are incredible, and I will bombard their emails <laughs> with uh, with uh, pitch decks, uh, first drafts, second drafts, outlines, uh, just to get their opinion on it because uh, they they read scripts all day. Uh, in terms of they understand a script more than I mean, they do so much more than that. But I, I, what I meant to say is, it's like they. They know how to read a script, and they will know how to give me notes. Yes. So I'm very grateful for yes. the notes as well. What's it been like going from writing something solo to going into a writer's room? To be honest, when I was writing solo, I was still very, very collaborative. So it felt good to go from one collaborative beast to another, uh, because there's truly no, like, this is my piece of script, whatever. It's, it's every single word, every single scene is a group process. So when I was with Characters Welcome at UCB, we would come with our own ideas to our rehearsal sessions, present it to the group, and the group would uh, dissect your piece, essentially. Uh, you should do a joke at this part. I think it'd be stronger if your character did this at this point. Uh, more importantly, I think it's better if you lose this thing. You know, take this thing out. Uh, so that was sort of writing for character with my other character performers. And then writing for TV, it's... Uh, it's a similar situation where it's it, it's everyone's baby, you know, at the end of the day. Right. Yes. Um, so we all want to make sure this thing is perfect. Yeah, it, it was it was a good it was a good jump um, into the world of TV writing. I will say. Let's uh, tell me what drives you 
Like what, what makes you get up in the morning and want to, want to create more art? <laughs> um, I always said that like, it's, I, I just like making things that 14 year old me would have really enjoyed. <laughs> uh, because when I was 14, there wasn't a lot. And, uh, yeah, I just want more, more native stories, more queer stories, more dumb stories for the sake of being <laughs> dumb. Yeah. I think that's sort of what drives me. No, it's, well, tell me when you were 14, what was something that you loved? That, would, that you saw? Yeah, around this time, I saw, I think I was 14, 15, or 16, somewhere in there. Uh, the show Dead Like Me came out on Showtime. Oh, I don't know if anyone's seen it. Uh, it's basically about a Grim Reaper, which inspired one of my original piles I did recently as well. And it was the first time I saw a show that was like, oh, this is different. Like, this is, like, they're saying something with uh, the guise of this world of spooky ghouls and ghosts and all that, but there was heart in it at the same time. Yeah. So uh, it was something that very, it it shocked me. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy someone else has seen that show um, because it left in me a fear that someday a flaming toilet seat from space uh, (laughs) will crash into the earth or right into my my head and kill me. What a way to Um, go. It, it really is. It's spectacular. Like, <laughs> like, I would love to read that obituary sometime. Obituary, and it's like it's like it's been decided. It's just like, like okay, sweet now, all right, best death ever. Uh, and Mandy Potemkin was, uh, was in that show as well. I think um, it doesn't have an ending though, if I remember correctly, right? Like, I think it was one of those shows that got canceled, and, and they made a movie, and the movie was kind of weird, and uh, yeah. Made to let me rest. Uh, let me ask you when you're when you're creating now. So you mentioned the post it notes, but is there a particular tool you use to help you stay organized and and create? Yeah, right now I 100% am addicted to the tomato timer method. Okay, uh, which nice. is if you don't know, it's a timer that's set for 25 minutes, and in those 25 minutes, you just have to do anything or everything related to one thing. So. In those 25 minutes, I'm pretty strict with like putting my phone away, putting any distractions away, uh, and really getting into the zone of things. And also not being hard on myself for doing parts of the project that doesn't feel like parts of the project, you know? Uh, like working on this new original pilot I'm working on, a lot of it is just watching clips of other shows that were similar, uh, watching trailers of movies that were similar, and reminding myself that I'm like, oh, this is part of the work, and this is the, this is helping me. Yes. So like, I need to stop kicking myself for, quote unquote, not working. Uh, so I've been sort of addicted to that method, and I'm starting to explore the idea of systems versus goals, which is something very new to me that I'm not familiar with because uh, I was very much raised in like a goal mentality, and from what I'm reading, and this is all stuff I'm reading online, YouTube videos, I'm not a doctor in any of this. Uh, <laughs> but the the summary is that like goals are too crazy. Goals are too hard. They're too unachievable. They're too big. So take your goal and turn it into a system, which is just basically breaking it down to small things where you do the small thing every single day, which is kind of like the tomato timer, but with a, with a, a longer calendar on it. So I'm experimenting with my work processes nice. right now is what I'm trying to say. I, I can't recommend uh, Ali Abdal enough. Um, he's done, a, a ter- I've read a lot of these books and he's done a great job of making it fun and accessible and visually interesting mm-hmm. on, on YouTube in a way that 
just makes me crazy that I hadn't done it first. But but he's great. I, so so a lot of what you talked about are things that he discusses on that channel. Uh, speaking speaking of shout outs, though, uh, who who am, who do you know that you think maybe has not gotten enough attention and you kind of want to give them a shout out and let people know uh, about their work? Yeah, Adrienne Chalepa is an incredible comic. I love her so much. She had a small role in Rutherford Fall season one. Uh, truly crushing it, and I'm just such a fangirl in like the biggest way. I love her comedy. I love her writing. I want to shout her out because she's great. Never want to check her out. And where can we find your stuff online? It would be, you can go to my website, tyleclair.com, T-A-I-L-E-C-L-A-I-R-E. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at ty underscore leclair. And I refuse to ever join TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't do it. I won't do it. Yeah, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to resist the siren song, but I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Is there, let me ask you, is there something that you've always wanted to sell that just has been sitting in your desk that you want people, to, that you want the world to know exists, that you think is cool, but it just, it hasn't gotten the love and attention yet? It's something that's published or something? No, it could be something that's in your desk draw that no one knows about. It could be something that you published that maybe didn't get enough attention that you want to highlight? Oh, uh, I have 40,000 things in these drawers of like, like, I want to do this TV show. I want to do this thing, this thing. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. But um, I will say, I, for season two of the Revolves, pitched something so much to the point where I was called out to stop pitching it because I loved <laughs> it so much. But it happened. So oh, that's, that's all I can say because I don't want to spoil anything for season two. Um, but down the road, ask me about it once the season is out. Yes, yes, please. I would love to have you back on the show. Um, we we had such a good time that I didn't get to like half of the questions. So that's great. <laughs> uh, that's always how I know it's a good interview. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you so much. This was such a good time and such a delightful way to start the afternoon. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? Because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan? Yeah, th- that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been, like right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout chewing tobacco and saying shit like, send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, the hell he is, get him in there. I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good. Hmm. Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Weiwo.tv, you know what you need to do. Rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found. That'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did. You did enjoy the show, right? We're going to assume you did because you made it to the outro. Most people don't. Be sure to follow BJ on Instagram at BJ Mendelson and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next. You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. 
BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time. Right?